Hi, everybody. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And you're listening to A Date with Dateline, a very special part deux of mm-hmm. Lacey Peterson's story. We've never done a two-parter, have we? No. No. We've talked so long, we thought it was going to be a two-parter. Yeah. It's never actually been a two-parter. I have so. threatened to make things a two-parter Many in the times. past, but yeah. So last week, we talked about the Dateline telling of the Lacey Peterson story. Tonight, Katie is going to tell me about the A&E very pro Scott Peterson version. She's going to try to sway me. I'm going to try. Maybe Scott Peterson's just a really handsome guy with some bad luck. I don't know. Mm. And also, did I just say handsome? You did say I was wondering. I was like, wow. I snuck that in. I think it's because Dean Cain played him in a TV movie, and And I've always had a... Yeah, you love Dean Cain. I know. Yeah, it's I've always right. had a huge thing for Dean Cain. Um, but we need to finish so, up first talking about yeah the Dateline f- episode and do our our extra tidbits. Yes. So I think we're at B roll bonanza. Yeah. Okay. So we have the journalist driving again. It's the shot from behind. Why do we always have B roll of people driving, and why do they make the camera person sit in the back seat and then move to the front seat and do a different shot of them drive? We get that they're driving. It's so creepy when someone's taping you from behind. And I've never noticed, and you hate it. And I've never. We, it doesn't we bother me. It's the journalist with the stain on his shirt. There's nothing apropos in the episode of where he's going. It's not right. like he's going to the courthouse or something. No, but did driving. Did you not notice that everyone is driving in this episode? The detective is driving the entire time. They show Amber driving. Every no, single person. I is literally driving. only noticed the journalist driving. Yeah. But I have literally B roll detective kept driving while on the phone. Super dangerous on the phone driving. He should not do that. He's a detective. He can do as he wishes. I guess. I saw everyone else walking by bodies of water. They do so that too. They have driving. You can mark that off on your bingo cards. Keith walks by a body of water with the detective. Yes. And it would almost be romantic if it wasn't so sad. And then we have Amber walking by water True. by herself. Then we have Sharon, the mom, sitting by a fountain. Where is Amber by water at Clovis Lake? Sorry, I grew up by Fresno, so I don't know a lot of bodies of water around there. Is Clovis up there? Yeah. Really? Why? Because that's... Clovis makes me laugh. Why? Because of Chrissy Teigen. Do you want the story? Is she from Clovis? No. Her and John Legend were on Hollywood Game Night. The contestant was from Clovis, and they both start laughing. And John Legend says they were once driving by Clovis, and Chrissy said, that sounds like my lady parts. That's what I would call my lady parts. And so from then on, it became like a thing. She would say like, oh, my Clovis hurts. Like, <laughs> and Chrissy gets really embarrassed and she hits him. So now whenever I think of Clovis, I think of lady parts. That's and that, hilarious. That would be a perfect nickname for lady parts. That's bizarre. Clovis, Clovis. is like, it's like a teeny tiny town outside of Fresno. Or of a JJ. Or a lady part. Um, We have quotes and they're all from Keith Morrison. It hit something in the air. The zeitgeist. That name. That smile. That mystery. Impossible to put down. It's like haikus. Like several haikus in a row. It is. And zeitgeist. It's word salad. And he put in zeitgeist. And he put in a million dollar word. Then he says, why did this grab everyone's attention? Was it her smile? 
because it was Christmas Eve, subject for some PhD thesis. Oh my, I, I remember that one. <laughs> I would go back to school if I could write a PhD thesis on something like that. But remember, when you're typing in motives for murder, you have to do for school. For school, for essay, school essay, research for school. Um, How much to weigh a body down, research for school. Oh my God, someone wrote me on Twitter that the new thing, the prank, because all the students at her high school bring in their laptops and they all steal each other's laptops and Google things like where to hide a body to try to get the person in trouble. That's, That's so the new mean, prank. Though. Yeah. How to make meth. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the worst one. I thought of that once. No, like, I, I would steal my friends and then be like, why is Creed the best band ever? Oh, yeah. I love Nickelback. Free tickets to Nickelback, exactly. <laughs> With arms wide open. <laughs> so then he says, uh, it's a powerful thing, true belief. But when it comes crashing down, my, my, my. Nailed it. That's a good, I mean, that's a classic. That is a key. classic. Zeitgeist and, and my, my, my in one episode. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's one from the very beginning before they actually talk about the story, whatever the intro is, and then they don't repeat it and it kind of bugs me. So Keith, they're talking about Steve, Steve, Scott, Steve. I called him Steve. Who's Steve? I don't know. So they talk about Scott and- That's the evil twin. Steve. That's <laughs> so, Steve in the picture. Duh. It? You don't know about Steve? So Keith says that Scott is <laughs> cool as a moose. And oh, then cool the... as moose. Cool no, as moose. A moose. No, moose. Moose, like the whip-topping moose. I'm going to look it up. It's not. It's something like smooth as moose. No. Wait, what? Really? Yeah, I, I swear. I remember it because I was like, that's funny. I bet Kimberly will get this one. We're going to have to look it up because okay. I thought it was cool as a moose. And I, I was think thinking, it, like, is Bullwinkle cool? I think he says cool as something, smooth smooth like a moose, or smooth as a moose. I think you're wrong. I can't look, look, it, look up. it up. I'm going to look it up right now because the people deserve to know. Do you want to make cool a bet? Do you want to make a bet real quick? Yeah. Mentos gum. Okay. And what do you want? A candle. candle. No, I have the red pillar candle for you still. Yes. Like from Datelight? Yeah. Okay, I think I found it. Are you ready? No. Wait, what is it? Close. It's me. I did it. It's my. I'm yes. right. Am I right? We're going to find out right now. I'm going to play it. Get ready. I came and they didn't do it. Usually they'll say, take blood, take a polygraph. I don't care. But Scott wouldn't do that. He'd only go to a point. He was just cool as most. He was Steve McQueen. <laughs> the story of what happened to her. He fully said cool as a moose. No smooth, no hair gel, whatever you thought it was. Take blood, Something take stupid. What did I you think it was? Smooth as a moose. Cool as a moose. Because moose is smooth. The story Why do you keep playing it? Because let's just listen. No, we're not doing this. We're not doing love after then lockdown. We, I was right. No, let's just I, one I, more time. No. Take a polygraph. I don't just care. Just one more. But one more. Scott wouldn't do that. He'd only go to a point. He was just cool as a moose. He yeah. was Steve McQueen cool. You can watch Keith's mouth move if you're not sure about the enunciation of the A. You. But it's in there. Rubbing it oh in boy. by playing it twice oh is, boy, is, is it not okay. Rubbing well, it in. 
Just in case there was any doubt out there in the Twitter community. Have I ever been wrong in any of these bets we've had? What did we think? Nay, I have not. I don't like it. But you're so confident about it, and I always know that I'm right. But then you're But in my head, I think that I'm right. I'm for sure 100% that I'm right. I will be right on something someday, and it'll be really important. It'll be the most important one, and I'll be right. Okay. But you know why you're always right? Because you you rewind whatever your song is. You constantly rewind rewind on your DVR. I I just might. I yeah. remember that night. No, I don't. When I'm watching Dateline, well, yes, sometimes I do because I'm taking notes I've watched, for this podcast but for the I've, people. But I've watched Dateline with you and you still rewind even if you're not taking notes. So I'm saying you do that, which solidifies it in your memory. So Unfair advantage. No, that's just me being smart and doing research. All right. And then having confidence in the fact that I'm right because I did my research. But you watched it haphazardly on your phone while you're driving or something. And you think that you have the same recall that I do. I like the mental image of that. Just having it on my phone, trying to navigate. What's going and on? And being like, what did he just say? Smooth as a moose. Yeah, I'm going to die on this hill. It was smooth as a moose. Even though I barely heard it and I was driving. All right. All right. Let's, let's go. Let's move on. Okay. Um, I'll grant you that we can move on. I won't bury, bury, what is it? I'm not going to tell you. I won't. No. I won't. uh, What's the expression? Beat a dead horse. There we go. Thank you. Okay. Um, And then, okay, so MVP loser of this episode. Oh, jeez. Mine is the mom and the friends. Okay. My loser is Richard Cole, the stained journalist, obviously. I think Richard Cole's obviously the loser in this one because Dateline has made him the loser. Stained shirt yeah. means loser. Yeah, just For sure. Yes. Um, my losers were the prosecutors who were built up to give us an extensive interview and gave us oh two minutes and 45 seconds of, yeah, Nothing. it was really crazy with all the reporters. That's that was pretty, pretty much, much the only thing they said. That's what they said. We got no outside information. They said that when they would wake up in the morning and their alarm would go off, the local news was talking about the case. That that was their that's pretty much all they said. That was their contribution. Oh, no, they they said that they felt like the the defense was cutting down their t- like get doing distractions to cut down their narrative to distract the jurors. Again, that's not that great of information, no, I feel like. That is just a technique that a defense team would use. And I think also the MVP in this, I really like the main detective. Yeah. I think they make him look like uh-huh. he's... He was one of my... Mm-hmm. He's good, and he's also a good interview. He's interesting, and he's interested and excited about the case. And he okay. wanted to see justice done for Lacey. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I like that. Okay. Can I just do alternative theories from what I have so far? Yeah. If you go for it. So, obviously, I thought it's possible that Amber found out he was married, and she did it. Really, though, the other friend from that video and another friend she's obviously the killer and that's why they can't say her name absolutely i don't know if she was in love with scott and wanted to get rid of Lacey. all of the friends said they love scott and they would joke does he have a brother so creepy they loved him so one of them so the other friend maybe loved him too much and is now part of killed Lacey to get him but it didn't work because she didn't know he already had a side piece 
and she wanted to be the side piece. And then she wanted to be the main lady, so she knocked off her pregnant friend. But without and all knowing for about not, Amber. Yeah, all for she not. Know, because he she was, didn't know. Yeah. You got to do your research first. Yes. Find out, will I get to date them if I kill this person? Research Or is first. it never going to happen anyways? Kill later. It's like measure twice, cut once. Yes. She, the other friend just didn't think. She didn't think. So, yeah. I, I do want to point out that Scott Peterson appeal on Twitter, which is the official Twitter account for his appeal, only has 500 followers, which is a lot for someone like us. Are you talking mm-hmm. about spa? Is that what they're called? I think that's what they're called. And there is a group Scott of ladies. Scott Peterson appeal? That are on this other docu-series that talk very I much about the wait. appeal. And I'm wondering if Other Friend is now a member of Spa. Of Spa. She totally is. Okay. And Aww. also, five, Scott Peterson appeal sounds like, what's his appeal? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, what's the appeal what's of Scott appeal Peterson? Of Scott? It sounds like a <laughs> joke at it, like a comedian. What's the appeal of Scott uh, Peterson? Exactly. There you go. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um. Do you have any alternative titles? I do. Okay. And this is, now this is, we're not going to say this is the yip phase. No, I'm saying post yips. Post yips. Okay. Yeah. I'm assuming they're done. It was only a one week thing. It's like the end of the yips. So the yips are still here a little bit, but they're fading out. Uh, What do you have for titles? Do you have any good ones? You don't have the yips. You're probably great. No, I'm great. Um, I have... Sorry. Um, Christmas Evil. Great. Instead of Christmas Eve. It's good. Uh, I have Cool as a Moose. Jerk. Which is an even sweeter title, it's knowing not. that I'm right. Like, it was a just okay title. Like, I'll give it a B minus. But now that I am getting a free candle out of it, it's an A plus title. You're not, Move on. Just, Move you're on. not happy with me. I don't want to talk to um, you. Okay, this would be from the SNL short. Take a good hard look at the mother effing boat. You don't like it? I think it's clever and musical. Yeah. You're talented. Okay, and then my last one is a stain on journalism. (laughs) Yes. Alternative title would be a stained reputation. That's really good. They're both good. There, yeah, everyone's stained reputation. The journalist, Scott, it's the all whole thing. Amber, yeah, everyone. Yeah, oh god, oh, yeah. so much. It's a huge problem. Okay, yeah, those are really good. I'm okay, impressed. thank you, thank you. So pretty much, I did a lot of titles for Bev's reality show, which I came Ooh. up with after we talked about it. I love that. Uh huh. I have a bevy of information. Or, alternatively, a bevy of facts. Um, And then I have Better Be Bev. thought it was good. Is that a Better Call Saul? And then the best one. I get it. The coup de grace, as it were. (laughs) A Bev the Law. (gasps) Okay, that's pretty good. Who's got the yips? That's that's pretty good. I will... Okay. Above the law. All right. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm happy about that. And also people seem to really like the idea of a Bev reality show. Because it's going to be great. I mean, she needs it. Now, bear in mind, we do not know what this woman Bev looks like. No. We do not even know if she's still alive. No. She worked at the police station 15 years ago and a cop said her name once. 
but we have created a whole career for her. And I'm really proud of us and her. If we she could, did it. If we could get Bev as a guest on the show. It can't <laughs> How do we be, find her? We don't even know her last name. How many Bevs do you think there are in Modesto? I bet if we just went to the Chili's and said, hey, do you know Bev? They'd be like, oh, Bev, sure. Oh, she's a talker. She worked at the police precinct. Yeah, she, she likes... She's a dispatcher. She, she likes hurricanes. Gossip. Yeah. <laughs> she likes hurricanes and chili fries. We'll find her. She's, she's always coming in here telling us the scoop on who's knocking over trash bins and whose husband got drunk and peed in their, you know, on their neighbor's lawn ornament. Yeah, exactly. All right. And then I also have... There's more? Mm-hmm. Scott's last double double. Yeah. And then I have <laughs> going scot free. I just just give it to me. Okay. And okay. Then I'll I give had... it to you because of the yips. And then I have okay, stick with me. Scotty's Bay. Now Bay can either be spelled B-A-Y <laughs> or B-A-E. <laughs> So you're referring to Amber, I'm assuming. I refer to he didn't to, treat Lacey like his bae. He did not. He did no. not. So it's that oh, or San Francisco Bay. Oh, I just Francisco thought of bae. Connor. No, it's awful. Don't think of Connor. Oh, it's so sad. Because he's like a little sweet bay, yeah. like an actual baby. Yeah. I know. Oh, sad. It's why no. everyone was so invested in this case. I know they say, oh, media hype, media hype. And I'm like, but the fact of the matter is a young mom pregnant with her first child was killed by her husband. Or was she? Well, I, we're going to find I out. Have, yeah, that was my key. But I think, yes, she was. Okay. We'll see. Okay. We'll see what you think. Okay. Okay, are you ready for this A&E special? Convince me. All right, I'm ready. Okay. My mind is already set in steel and has been so for since 2002 or whenever this happened. That's 15 years. It's been set in steel. So you are going to have to carve away that rock. I'm going to try. Okay, so. your water of knowledge. A&E documentary, The Murder of Lacey Peterson, is in six parts. And I've sort of got it timed out here to do an overview of all of it. I'm not going to go through each individual part. You'll have to watch it yourself, but I would recommend watching it. Okay. So what we're going to start with is, first of all, I started to write out people against Scott and people pro-Scott, and let's just say that the pro-Scott column is almost to the full page, and the (laughs) <laughs> the against scott is just like three or four people but and these are all people who wouldn't agree to be on the dateline because they figured it was going to be anti correct even though so they they had that richard cole journalist they did the stain on his shirt come but, on but then they also have detective ruler who's the main detective interviewed in the dateline they have him uh-huh. um they have sharon rocha they have Lacey's mom um we get to see a lot of footage of Lacey's brother which is oh. kind of interesting. And that's really sad. That's How awfully old is sad. He? Uh, honestly, I couldn't tell. They look close to the same age. Maybe they're only a couple years apart. So for Pro Scott, though, we get his entire defense team, his entire um, appeals team. The main interviews from his family are his dad, Lee, his sister, Susan, and then his sister-in-law. Which I found interesting. She's obsessed with him. She, like, is dedicating her life to this case. And she, no, and she is one of the, I would say, probably the main Peterson family interview is with Janie. Mm. Let's go through the timeline of what okay. happens the morning Lacey is, disappears. 9.20 to 9.40, 
a neighbor sees Scott loading his truck to getting ready to go to the warehouse and says, hello. Scott says hello back. Neighbor sees nothing suspicious in the truck. That's first. 920, 940. Where's the neighbor standing? Can the neighbor, is the neighbor seven feet tall? Doesn't matter. How I'm, can he I'm see giving what's you in an truck? over. Just I can dispute all of this. I'm sure you can. 1030 to 1056, we know Scott's at the warehouse on the computer. And then around 11 o'clock, leaves to go to the Berkeley Marina. It takes about an hour and a half to get there. So backtrack, 1018, Karen, the neighbor, sees the dog Mackenzie on its leash without an owner in the front yard. She puts the dog back in the backyard, closes the fence. That is now that is somewhere around 1010 to 1018. 1018 is the very latest that can possibly happen because we have she has basically a receipt of when she went into town, so she knows what time she would have to leave. So, okay. That becomes important. 1254 Scott has the receipt for the marina parking in Berkeley. 1 to 2, he fishes. 2.15, Scott leaves the message for Lacey that he is leaving Berkeley. 4.30, Scott drops the boat at the warehouse. He's back from Berkeley. 4.45, he gets home. He finds the door unlocked. The leash on the dog, but the dog is in the backyard. Scott washes all his clothes, eats pizza. No, pizza and milk. Pizza and milk, which is disgusting. Yeah. (laughs) I just I just left it out because who's doing that? Lactose. It's a lot. For Christmas Eve, you're already going to eat dinner, right? It's Christmas Eve. Okay. Yeah. So takes a shower. And then when he gets out, she's still not there. About 517, Scott calls Sharon. At 547, 40 minutes later, Lacey's stepfather calls 911. So in that 911 call... He tells the police that she took the dog for a walk and the dog came home without her. So whatever Scott... Who says, who says that? Lacey's stepfather when he calls 911. That's right, but the, where is he getting that information? That is a very good question. That is because obviously I've heard what that Lacey was too tired to walk the dog. But that is obviously what he's getting from Scott because where right. else would he have that information? Right. So interesting that Scott immediately sets that up, right? Mm-hmm. He's setting that up very, very quickly. 6 p.m., the police arrive. 12 a.m. to 1 a.m. is that first police interview we see. That's at midnight. I had no idea. I thought that was way earlier in the night. Could be why Scott's so blah in that interview. He's been with the police for six hours already at his house. And then he goes into the police for the interview. Yeah, but I still don't know if you'd be tired. Although they do say grief can sometimes present is tired that one guy fell asleep in the cop car and he was innocent yeah i remember that scott just seems very mellow so we hear scott also very importantly we hear scott throughout this series because they're talking to scott in jail on the phone i thought we'd get a lot more of that we don't get Mm. a ton we get maybe four or five little conversations so it's kind of a bummer and it's all stuff does he sound sad no Darn. No, I don't. I don't know that. I don't know. I read something else later that said that, that talked about what he always gets the commissary, and one of them smoked scallops, and I was like, they have what? smoked scallops at the commissary. Yeah, it was not weird. on sixty days in. It was a weird they have interview. Cup of soup and these little cake things. But I'm wondering if it's different because it's death row. It's California. You know, they're serving kombucha in a California prison. 75% chance of that. So mm-hmm. Scott in his jail interview says that he knew the first night that the police were looking at him as a suspect because he overheard someone on the radio. Mm. He overheard one of the police walkie talkies and they said, husband looks suspicious. 
Well, yeah, no so doubt. So that was interesting that he knew night number one. So then I wanted to go through a couple of points quickly. Yes. Um, Amber Fry's daughter. Do you know how old she is? No. She was 18 months. What? Yes. I thought you'd be very surprised. When Am- Scott was dating? I'm sorry. Yes. And Amber is also interviewed in this. And she looks lovely, by the way. Her hair's grown out. It's like long. She looks it wasn't very good. Pulled back. Okay, good. She looked great. Um, I had admitted on Twitter that I was wrong about that. That you're right. She might have been in a panic and sweaty. And as a fellow sweater, I should have been less judgmental about her sweeping it back and it being greasy. And one of the reporters talks about her entrance coming into that press conference and said she was holding the paper and her hands are just shaking. I feel bad. But wait, her daughter, 18. So what the hell is wrong with this person? Yeah. He kills his wife with the baby coming because he's grossed out by babies, doesn't want to touch her pregnant stomach, doesn't want a kid, is hoping for infertility. And then he cheats with this woman who has an 18-month-old baby. That's insane. I thought that would kill you. It killed me because she said my daughter was almost 18 months old. When I, I first like met, maybe when I first met Scott, elementary school. So he thinks, okay, I only have to deal with her after three p.m. I thought she was a toddler. I thought maybe she was four or five. Maybe I thought she was like nine. I don't know. Why. Okay, so he's okay. basically trading a baby for baby. Yes. Second point: the two fake friends from France. Remember, I told you that he <gasps> the said, ones he Pedro. And, yes. So no, it yeah. was Francois. Francois. Francois yeah. the was ones from he France, made up when he then, went on his fake trip to And Paris. I think I told you Pasquale. Pasquale was from Spain. Francois was from France. Right, and, and then, they walked on the cobblestone streets together. And they also have a little bit of a clip from another phone call where he says he just went, he just got to Brussels. Ah, so well, he made he's up, doing a full tour. He did this full tour. And I was like, I wonder if he talked about the little boy peeing statue. The only famous thing in Brussels is that statue. And I bet you he I bet you that's the thing he talked about. And the Belgian waffles. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Then the other points that I know you wanted to know about, Scott's arrest, the stuff in his car. Yeah. How the family defended it. Okay. Yeah. So first of all, he definitely thinks it's the media and he's trying to lose them, which is why he's driving so crazy. And you hear him on the phone call with, I think it's one of his brothers. And he's saying, man, they just won't leave me alone. I've been trying to lose them for an hour. Maybe I shouldn't come because he's going to meet his family at this Torrey Pines golf course, which is literally 30 minutes away from the mexico border mm-hmm. but it definitely looks like he's fleeing to mexico because he's going and they arrest him in the parking lot of that golf course Why where he's going to meet his family golf yeah it's weird isn't it so the fake id that was in the car is not a fake id it's his brother's id Yes, I knew that. Okay. But that's still weird. But his brother's Don't ID. Don't pretend that's not weird. But his brother's ID is to get, it, this is the sad thing, that they said it's to get a discount on the golf course. No. Well, that's no. what they said. What? I don't know. Okay. Okay. Now, the, the four t- cell phones. Four cell phones I don't have an answer for. They didn't give a, an excuse for that. And I really wanted that one. Yeah, because they have no excuse for why a human being would have four cell phones in no. their car when they are caught by police. Also, did you know it's a red Mercedes? No, that just makes it worse, though. Yeah, but it's one of those cool old school Mercedes, the boxy ones that everybody wants. The ones that look like they're the diesel ones. Do you know what I'm talking about? They're like from the 80s. They're really cool looking. I don't know cars. Oh, I love those. Okay. So the $10,000, 
Jackie, the mom, had accidentally taken out $10,000 out of the joint no. account. Well, wait, no. first, you're, you're missing the most important part of that, the joint account. Scott Peterson had a joint checking account with Mama. Okay, that is so weird. I wanted to talk to you about that. So yeah. he's living with his mom now yeah. and has a joint account. They have a joint account. That, I bet that was for legal reasons, since he knew he was in legal trouble, and he thought maybe they were going to try to seize his, a- his possessions. Yeah, but there's no way she accidentally took out $10,000 in cash. That has never happened to anyone ever. I have no idea. But- How do you even do that? The amount of paperwork... You would have to fill out to get $10,000 in cash is cannot be done by an accident. It's not like you're at the ATM machine and you enter your PIN number and then you add th- three extra zeros. You can't do that. Well, you have, have to go inside. I have no idea why she did it, but she gave it back to him in cash so there wouldn't be a hold on it. That's no. why. No, that makes no sense. So that he could redeposit it back in the bank? No. Also, good luck if you're Scott Peterson walking into a bank in california and trying to deposit ten thousand dollars in cash yeah have fun the manager is gonna get called over so quickly yeah you're in yeah um what what didn't he have something of his sisters did we already talk about that he had the brother's Mm -hmm. id he had his sister's credit card oh i have no idea but i'm not surprised so they did not discuss that why the four cell phones or the sister's credit card they did not Okay. But I don't think he stole the credit card. The, the family's pretty much on his team. Right. I still think he was fleeing and they were trying to help him. Okay. Okay, continue. I'm going to move on to the jury, which okay. I told you you were going to love. So we're going to go into the trial now. Great. So the police theory of the case is that he smothered her on the night of the 23rd and then attached eight pound weights to her hands and her feet and her head. And then... Okay threw her off the boat so that explains the five anchors that were missing and it also explains when the body turns up without a head or legs yeah it was just the torso it was just the torso now we're going to go into the defense which is heavily what they cover they don't talk a ton about the prosecution there were witnesses who saw scott at the marina and actually looked in the boat there was one in particular named yuri who i don't trust yuri okay So the thing is, where the marina is, there's a bunch of houseboats that are docked there. And it said it would be impossible to conceal in the kind of boat Scott had. It would be impossible to conceal something that large and sail by all those houses without somebody noticing that there was something in the boat. What if it was a white tarp covering it and the bottom of the boat is white? Wouldn't it just blend in? I don't know. If I have a white blanket on my couch and my couch is white, which it's not, don't try to picture what my living room looks like, guys. You're <laughs> going to be disappointed. But like if I have a white couch white, it'll and it's going by fast, my couch is floating by you, you wouldn't be necessarily know that there was a blanket on there. It's a good point. Garagos, Garagos' lead attorney, decided not to bring Yuri back. Yuri had gone to Puerto Vallarta for some sort of trip, decided not to bring him in. It wasn't worth it. Anyways... Hmm. So what Mark Garagos does instead is he buys a boat, the, the boat that Scott had, and they do an experiment in the water with a 100 pound or 150 pound weight on the boat. He gets one of his assistants. It's the saddest video you've ever seen because his assistant almost drowns like three times. <laughs> and they're trying to get the weight off the boat without capsizing it or scratching the boat. 
Okay. And so they can't do it. And the judge will not allow the evidence in. Why? Because he didn't find the video convincing. He thought that there was something about the experiment that he didn't think was quite right. But he did allow the jury to go and examine the boat, the actual boat, which they don't Mm. talk about in Dateline. The -hmm. jury goes and they get into the boat and one of the defense attorneys is saying how they immediately start rocking it. So they're kind of not sure either if the boat would be able to withstand this kind of a weight, but they're doing it on land. They don't let him test it in the, they don't let him test it in the water and I'm like, "Well, that's sort of ridiculous." And especially when you find out about the jury, you're like, "That's not going to do diddly squat." The jury, boy, the jury, whatever. So, that that evidence is excluded. Now we get to the dog, the dog evidence. Trimble the dog. Okay. So What's tr- his name? Trimble. Trimble, okay. So Trimble the dog hits on Lacey's scent in the dock and then takes it all the way down the pier. Okay. Okay. So here's <laughs> Here's the problem with Trimble. So, Don't be dissing Trimble. Are you going to start dissing the I'm dog? not. It's unfortunate, but Trimble has failed his certification to test twice. Oh, poor Trimble. So then also the item that Trimble smells was compromised because Scott had also handled the item that Trimble smelled. It was a household oh, item. Oh, well, that's really bad police work. Yeah, it definitely is. Then another dog, they bring in a different dog. They, we don't know its name. And he does the scent test and fails. Does not follow it down the dock. The test was performed several days after Lacey had been missing. <laughs> so it's not immediate, which with the wind in a marina might be a bit of an issue. And rain. And she was wrapped in something. She was wrapped in a tarp, they say. She was wrapped in a tarp and went from the truck attached to the boat. Boat went into the water. So that's how like the dog... dragged down the dock? No, that she's in the boat. Was... She's already in oh, the boat because right. the boat is right. attached to the truck. So that seems impossible to track. It's not like her body ever hit the ground. Right. But the prosecution brings it in like Trimble is the dog that saved Christmas. That's pretty much... Well, his name is Trimble. So... He sounds like a Christmas elf. He does. And I'd like to point out that John John, JFK Jr., it took him two times, three times to pass the bar. He failed it twice. I'm not saying that Trimble is a bad dog, but Trimble didn't do a good job in this case. I'm not a bad person, but I really thought he said smooth as moose. I was wrong (laughs) in that case. Trimble can be wrong and still be a good boy. That's true. He's a good pupper. He's a good boy. I'm not saying he's bad. Okay. No, I'm saying the police work was bad because why would they pick an item that both Scott and Lacey had handled? It's nonsense. So... There's a really, really strong cross-examination, obviously. Garagos does a really good job of breaking down that dog and being like, absolutely not. This is not. Wait, they didn't put Trimble on the stand. Dog science is stupid. No, but they put the handler on. Handler was on the stand. They did? It's like my favorite meme with the, you're going to jail, Greg. Yeah, it the is. dog. That is pretty much. Every, if you haven't listened to a previous episode, Google dog swearing in. It's my favorite meme. Um, okay, continue, please. Okay. So he cross-examines the dog trainer, and I'm sure ripped him apart. You ripped, Yeah, ripped her apart. Yeah, just okay. annihilates it. But then come to find out it doesn't matter. But we'll, we'll get to that because I'm going to talk about the jurors in a second. We get an interview with about six jurors, which is impressive. Oh, okay. We get quite a few. Wow. Um, the next point that the defense brings up are the bodies. Now, Connor's body is found a mile away. From where Lacey is found, 
and also mm. 18 to 20 hours before a long time before almost a full day before connor's mm-hmm. body washes up Lacey's washes up a full mile away um mm-hmm. all of Lacey's internal organs were missing the prosecution says that tidal action tide tidal action did this the tide hath rendered her organs from her body the power of the tide the water itself has done who this. says this the prosecution brings in an okay. expert on tidal How long actions. before she was found? From when they say from, she was killed? Mm, oh, oh, from when they say she was killed? Like if she died yeah. on the 24th or the yeah. 23rd? She was found in March. Three months. Three months. Three months. In the water. In the water. So the best forensic in scientists winter. in the country have refuted this and said that tidal action does not do this. It does not do it. So... So they're they're basically trying to establish that Yeah, what? How does that help him at all? It well, it helps him because they're they're trying to establish that something happened to her body that could have been caused by someone else. The baby was handled. Because uh. a big part of this is trying to establish when the infant died, which they are able to do because the baby, a fetus is growing so much every single day. There are formulas and tests they can do to show how old to the day the baby was when it died. They're trying to prove that both of them are alive beyond the time that Scott went fishing in the Berkeley Marina. If they are alive beyond the time Scott goes fishing, he's innocent. If they can prove reasonable doubt that they were possibly alive on the 25th, 26th, any of those days, Scott's innocent. Because the only time he would have dumped the body in the Berkeley Marina was the day he went fishing on Christmas Eve. Because he was being watched so carefully after that? that yeah. That he never went back there? Right, exactly. But someone else was holding but her? But they're saying someone else was holding her, had killed her or whatever. Yeah, the And then there's thugs. all of this news coverage. And so somewhere in that three months... The police right, are not always the at the marina. Said. Right. They yeah. go and dump the body. But I'm telling you why. And the journalist doesn't do a good job of explaining why. This is why. How big the baby was. So they call in a bunch of people that are trying to establish the time of death of the fetus. Now, they have a really good doctor that refutes the prosecution's doctor. But the defense doctor sort of loses it on the stand, I guess. And at one point starts rubbing his hands through his hair. It's like, cut me some slack. Because the prosecution goes at him so hard. So he pretty much just blows it. He blows it big time. Garagos was like, he's a mistake. Even though Mm. he's a good doctor, he was not ready for a cross-examination. A little more on that later. Mm -hmm. So the other thing that they bring up is the dog walking. So Lacey walking the dog. Now, there is a contention that Lacey walks the dog after, remember I said, the time period of 1018 The neighbor Mm -hmm. Karen comes and puts the Mm -hmm. dog in the yard. Lacey walked the dog after that. There are, I think it's six different witnesses that claim to have seen Lacey walking the dog up until about 11 o'clock a.m. All in this one area of the street to this park at the very end of the neighborhood. Wow, this street is hopping with eyewitnesses. It's Well, it's crazy because there's people driving by, then there's someone from out their window, then there's somebody across the park, and there's other people walking their dogs. So, so the person who returned the dog to the backyard didn't knock on the door. No. 
and say, Lacey, I have your dog. She just put the dog. No, in the and backyard. she's she's interviewed. She says the dog would run around, get out all the time. And so she just did it and didn't need to say, hey, Lacey, the dog's in the backyard. She would just, she shut it in and walked away. She, so mm-hmm. she just went about her day. Mm-hmm. So, okay. These are all the main things that they touch on. That's fair. That's a little compelling. I will grant you. And it's going to get more compelling because I, the dog walking is really good and it's a huge part of the appeal because it's the best theory they've got right now is that the police did not follow up on all of these leads that they got of people saying she was walking the dog. So the jury goes in after it's five months of this insanity. They do the first round of votes. It's 10 to 2. Two are saying innocent. Day five, one of the jurors admits that she looked something up on the internet and one of the other jurors tattles on her. (laughs) So she got tattled on. She got removed and enters Strawberry Shortcake. Okay. Strawberry Shortcake is nuclear red hair. There's a news interview that says she's got nine tattoos in her late 20s. They call her. She's the replacement. They call her Strawberry Shortcake. Yes, her name is Rashid. They call her uh-huh. Strawberry Shortcake. And so I guess she had been really emotional during the whole trial and was really crying at all the autopsy photos and really had a difficult time with it. So she was an alternate juror. She was who an had been alternate there the whole juror time. who had been there the whole time. Was subbed in for the girl that messed up. So the jury had been going bit by bit through all of the information. Right? She comes in and says he killed the little man. He's guilty. She calls. I'm sorry. She calls Connor the little man. And she does it constantly. It like becomes her thing. So then she's interviewed and she's like, I don't know. I did it for little man. This is like when Nancy Grace coined Casey Anthony tot mom. And then just called her that as if it was her name. I need you to watch just this one episode of it. It's just called The Verdict. With Rochelle. With Rochelle. And then she's interviewed now and she doesn't have the red hair anymore. But let, let me give you a good example of Rochelle. Remember I told you that there was a really, really good cross-examination about the dog. Mm-hmm. Basically, Garagos totally refuted the dog. Strawberry Shortcake is interviewed and says, I think the thing that influenced me the most in this trial was the dog. The dog <laughs> tracked her scent off the pier. One thing the that one went thing so wrong. That's so wrong. And was it was just... totally disputed. Because... Strawberry Shortcake is the kind of juror that hears exactly what she wants to hear. Yeah. She thinks he's guilty and there's yeah. nothing else. And that's basically what this entire jury did. If I can interrupt for one second. They are going in with OJ just having happened, right? When was the OJ trial? It was 95. Really? So I think the jury saw what happened with the OJ verdict, mm-hmm. people being upset that he wasn't convicted, even though there was so much evidence against him. Mm. So they probably had that in their minds. They knew how public of a trial. I wish the Casey Anthony jurors had been thinking about that, but perhaps too much time has passed and they had not learned their lesson. And they received like death threats. I think the Casey Anthony people oh, wow. for getting the, the verdict so wrong. Because they didn't know what the finger on the pulse of the outside people were, who were like, it's obvious she did it. Right. So they looked like idiots in front of the whole world, Mm -hmm. you know? So maybe these people were scared of that. Okay. So continue, please. So so the foreman of the jury is this man named Gregory Jackson, who's a doctor and a lawyer. Oh. He had stacks of notes. You would have been obsessed. 
detailed, detailed notes. And he was a little bit pro-innocent because he thought there was reasonable doubt. He did not think that the prosecution approved their case. Basically, as soon as Strawberry Shortcake comes in, they just turn on the foreman. They call it like the palace intrigue. They turn on him and one of the guys threatens him. And and the foreman goes to the judge and says, I feel unsafe. And they remove him. (gasps) This is on Thursday. They remove the foreman because he's feeling unsafe. And even though he was like pretty pro-innocent and they have the guy that supposedly threatened him. And he's like, I didn't threaten him. I didn't threaten nobody. And you're like, oh, you totally did. So second alternate juror is brought in. We aren't introduced. Within 10 hours, the verdict is in. So they were all fighting with the foreman the whole time. He had been the angry, 12 angry men dude who's like, actually, blah, blah, blah. And Look at my notes on page two. And they were like, I'm going to murder this guy. Yeah. And th- and that's what they said. They said that he just wanted to go over this minutia and this stuff. And, and one of the oh, yeah, jurors they were so is bored. like, yeah. I was done with that. I was done. We had made up our minds. He wasn't going to change my mind. They just want to convict. If... Gregory Jackson had been able to stick it out, it would have been a mistrial. Gregory Jackson could not stick it out. And Garrigo said it was like Survivor in there. He said they were just voting anyone off the island who thought he was innocent. They would just get him out. Wait, the one who Googles on her phone? She wasn't. It was another guy. It wasn't. It was another guy. They interview him and you could tell. They forced him. You could tell he still wasn't sure. Yeah, they pressured him into it. He said he was, but I don't think he was. Okay, to be fair, we all think he's guilty after watching the Dateline. So if the Dateline one hour is anything like this very long trial, they got the same impression that we got. So don't say they're just one-sidedly going, ah, he's guilty. They're not, but they didn't get the same thing we got. They got all of the cross-examination. They got all of the extra stuff, and they still I haven't heard anything extra besides the dog walkers. That make me question it. Well, that's then, the only but thing. But that's a good question then. If you had just heard the dog walker and you're not going to hear anything else about the appeal stuff, is that reasonable no. doubt for you? No, because, well, I go back to Samira Frosh. Remember that one neighbor thought he saw her in front of the house uh-huh. and it was after the husband had left? Uh-huh. It wasn't enough to convince me that the husband didn't do it. Got it. But this was five or six people that all say that they saw her. So you have to say, did five or six people see the wrong person or think the time was wrong by about an hour? Okay. I don't know. I still haven't heard any other who that would make me think. I see only Scott as having a motive. So I need another person to blame because there's no one else with a motive or opportunity. Okay. So let's go into the appeal. So here's what the appeal is stating. Now, the appeal has two parts. It's an appeal and a habeas, and the habeas allows them to reinvestigate. So you can pull out new information and present that to the court. So, But the appeal is just stuff that went wrong in the trial. Stuff that went wrong in the trial is the selection of the jury, that the way the judge picked the jury is it's special for a death penalty case. The judge said... Do you believe in the death penalty is the question. Right. If uh-huh. a juror answered no, they were immediately disp- dismissed. Right. Because they have to be at least willing to make that this is judgment. The, this is the problem. He did not ask the second question. 
which is even though you do not believe in the death penalty, could you apply that to the facts of a case if required to? And people can either say yes or no. Even if you don't believe in it, can you apply it? And so that was a huge problem. And they had a few legal analysts on talking about this. What you're doing is you're setting up a death tribunal, which they don't want. Oh, it's all people who believe in the death penalty. Right. And they can't do that. Say, Why didn't the ah. defense stop? I'm sure they did. I'm sure they tried to get the judge changed. This is Like, while he was doing it, because they're yes. present for the jury selection. Oh, yes. So this is part of the appeal. So that's mm. problem number one. Problem number two is unreliable evidence admitted, Trimble the dog. I still think it's the police fault, not Trimble. Of course it is. Lacey had never even walked on the marina. Uh, a mm-hmm. non It was called a non-contact vehicle trail scent test. And it had been tried with Trimble again. Trimble had done this test and then failed 75% of the time. Did other dogs pass a non-vehicle, a non-contact because I've always heard, oh, this is where the person got into the car. Yeah. Because this is where the trail stops. Right. I always thought once they got into a car, mm-hmm. that's where the trail of scent stops. So I would think wrapped in a tarp on a boat and the boat is being wheeled on the dock and it had been several days, no dog would pass that test. That's what I think. But so the fact that they entered it is unreliable evidence and it was admitted by the judge. Okay. So the third thing is the hydrologist who testifies to the movement of bodies in water. Apparently this expert that came on the stand that talked about movement in tides and how the bodies ended up where they thought. Because they have Scott's trajectory of the boat and why the bodies ended up where they did. And apparently the hydrologist they had on the stand has absolutely no expertise in this and has never done any tests. What? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) guy up the street he is a hydrologist though and then also i mean he is a hydrologist he he is apparently allegedly you every every person who gives testimony in a court they have to do it once for the first time this was his first time i'm assuming he did some calculations of the weight and the tides movement over those three months i hope so where it would take them i hope so yeah, so, and then there was also the evidence that was discluded um, about the boat. The boat tests, they want those in. The water oh, test. the video of them? Yeah, they want that allowed. So moving when the When the assistant almost dies. That's in the verdict episode, too. If you just watch that one episode, you'll get Strawberry Shortcake and the boat. Okay. Um, and it's, it's a little convincing. I don't know. It could be staged. I don't know. Garagos, I don't know how, uh, is he on the up and up? He seems like a no. good guy. Okay. He's a strictly celebrity. I mean, I'm not saying he's, he represented, do you know who he represented? I do. He's represented a few people. Why? Who are you talking about? Chris Brown. Oh, I didn't know he represented Chris Brown. Yeah. Oh, they left that out of this A&E investigative report. Of course they did. Okay. So this is my last chance to convince you is the habeas in which they're bringing up the alternate theories and it's two sisters, Susan and Janie. Finally, we were introduced to Spa, the Scott Peterson appeal team, when all the ladies get together. See, okay, I just really, okay. They call it a spa weekend, and all the ladies fly in from all (laughs) over the country. Yes, they do. All the ladies fly in from all over the country, and they go to San Diego, and they hash it out, and you would love that part of it. They have, like, 
flip folders and they've got a whiteboard going. Oh, and they've got maps and charts. It's almost like, Ooh, a, search it's party, like a search party, except they're proving innocence. I feel like you'd okay. be really good on the innocence project. We got to get you an innocence project. I love on. stuff about the innocence project. I would not mind either. And I love family members who get into the weeds and get the and have files and mm-hmm. color coding and they keep their own records because they don't trust the cops. I do like that. I think you would like these sisters. I just think that you're not convinced that he's innocent. So I'm going to do my best to convince you and then we'll see. And also, I should also note, I don't think he's innocent. I'm just trying Ah. to convince you. Okay. Uh So So this show did not even convince you. No, this show gave me reasonable doubt, though. So here we go. Now. This is the alternative theories that they've come up with, that the ladies have come up with, and all the defense attorneys. So when Connor's found, Connor is found with sort of this knot around his neck of rope and twine. And he's also found with black electrical tape taping his ear. Right, exactly. That face that you're making right now around the side of his face. So the largest question is, was Connor handled outside of the body? Yes, after what you just told me. Uh, Right. Now, this is when that other expert comes back in, that doctor that I told you I was going to talk about, the doctor that comes on the stand and tests fetal development. So tests how big the baby is the day he stopped growing compared to his last ultrasound compared Mm -hmm. to the day that they found him. Now, there's a formula to tell you test and measure certain bones to tell the growth, right? Okay. The doctor that came on the stand said, I did these tests, this formula, and Connor was deaf. He did not grow past December 24th. Now, who the defense has now is the person who made the test, created the formula, mm-hmm. says not only was that doctor using the wrong formula, he measured the wrong bones. <gasps> he did not measure correctly. The man who developed the test says that Connor may well have been alive up until January 3rd. So giving him an extra week or so. Of growing. Of being alive. Mm. Tricky. But I see your brain working. Doesn't matter. I see your brain working. Now keep in mind. Yeah, but I have an alternative theory now. Okay. So. But you said could possibly have grown an extra week. Yeah, could have been alive up until January 3rd. Could have. Yeah. Doesn't mean is. No, doesn't mean is, but that's a big if. It's new evidence and it's important because it doesn't go with the prosecution's timeline. Think of it from a Are legal we standpoint. sure that we're not sure of anything. We're negating the fact that there could be an alternate person that Scott has hired to somehow take her after she went dog walking. Yeah. But we have not talked about them. that at all. But why in the world would that? Why person, would he go to the bay? Why would that person go to the bay? Right. Right. Why would he Scott go to the bay? Right. So that he was far enough away from Lacey when she disappeared. But then so that he but would he look would like never... he has a distance and he saved his receipt. So he's like, look how far away I was. I didn't do it. But then that person would who never... had folded her right. it was maybe flipped on Scott. Maybe it was another lover oh. because he found they found out about Amber. It's a good theory. It's not bad, right? It's not bad. Once a cheater, always a multiple cheater. There could be another Amber. Well, there was someone before Amber, but we'll get to her. Okay. Okay. So next thing. I basically just solved it though, right? Yeah. Do you want me to just stop? I mean, should we just go to the, like, should we write our book now? Okay. So the next thing is they talk about Modesto. This is really important that you know this. 
that there's a huge sign over the town that says water, wealth, contentment, health as you drive into the town. It's a giant okay. arch. And people in the town have now nicknamed it murder, meth, and auto theft. <laughs> so I just want to shoot. It's important. That is very important. Because there's apparently this really deep, horrible underbelly of Modesto, which I already knew because I grew up in the Central Valley, and there's a ton of meth, and there's this really bad part of town called the Airport District in Modesto that tons of crime takes place. There's murders And was this like that back then, too, in 2002? Completely, and it's a mile away from where Lacey and Scott live. Mm -hmm. So something that happened at 11.15 in the morning on the 24th of December... Lourdes Avila's. No, is, you're not. Yeah, saying yeah. Like. <laughs> so Lourdes Avila's is a shop owner. She's open on Christmas Eve. She's eight months pregnant. She is out front of her shop putting up a sign saying sale, whatever. She sees this really old car across the street and these guys watching her. She goes inside her store. She says they sit out there for around a half an hour. She sees them get out of the car and walk towards the store and she has a really bad feeling. She says, I know they're coming for me. I know they're coming for me. She runs in the back and hides. Then calls the police. Something spooks them and they leave. The police come. She gives a report, whatever. But she says... The police never followed up with her after Lacey went missing because she was like, I wonder if it's those two guys, those two guys that came to my shop on Christmas Eve day. They never followed up. What time was this at? 11.15 a.m. 11.15 a.m. Christmas Eve day. So it would mean that Lacey had walked the dog. The dog gets put in the backyard around 10.18. All the people see her walking the dog till around 11.15 Lacey goes they home. They fail with the shop owner, and, and then, then they, they drive. Over. But where she would have to be walking the dog. They don't know where she lives. Yeah, she would they have to be walking the dog. They just that house. They would, she would have to be walking the dog. But she finished walking the dog. We don't know what 15. time she wa- she finished walking the dog. We have no idea. But how you saw said people saw her. People saw her up until, I don't know the last time people saw her. I have but, I have someone seeing her on her way out. Walking the dog at 10.30. Yeah, and from what I heard, she was too tired to walk the dog, so I don't think she's walking the dog an hour when she's eight months pregnant. Well, the distance that they go, they said it would take at least 40 minutes. I'm just saying, Hmm. this is another thing that they're going to bring up. Okay. Is that theory. Now, there's Satanists. (laughs) Oh, I love Satanists. Satan did it. So the defense said the Modesto police in their files had gone around and interviewed a bunch of people. That are known Satanists. And they found it in the files. And so they're bringing it up. Because now, wait for it. Between 1999 and 2002, seven women, very pregnant, had disappeared. Within an 80 mile radius. Three were from Modesto itself. The latest person to disappear was six months before Lacey disappeared. Her name was Evelyn Hernandez. She disappeared. She washed up in the bay. She was six. She was eight months pregnant. Her hands, her head, and her feet were all missing, and her baby was never found. Wow. That's a that's a good one. Does that get you a little bit? That makes me think some things. You thought I was going to go wacky with the Satanists, but they were thinking Satan. Three in Modesto in Three the last... Three in Modesto alone within... Uh, from 1999 to 2002, so three years? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Seven women, three in Modesto, all were pregnant. Very pregnant. Hmm. 
Does that get you? Do we think it could be those two guys? Do, I don't know. Do we think it's a group of people? And then there's one, like, old, salty Modesto cop that keeps saying, meth, tweakers. Like, he's just... <laughs> Satan. Yes, he's so Invading mad. my town. He's so mad. He's like, they'll believe anything. Witchcraft, Satan. Satan made me do it. He's so mad. He's seen it. He's seen things. What's very interesting about that to me is that Gillian Flynn, who wrote Gone Girl, mm -hmm. which is she loosely based some of that on Scott Peterson. And if you haven't read it, I cannot recommend it highly enough. It is the best. I love this book so, read so. It. Read the book, then watch the movie. Yeah. The movie's also amazing, but read but the book read first because the, the book is, yeah. the book is honestly, it's so, so, so. If you think we're entertaining, like oh my the gosh. prose she puts together. You can't is, put it down. No, you can't put it down. Taking a it's plane so trip, plane trip. It's the best. Yes, if you have a long flight, you're so just, good. it's going to go, it's going to fly by. But in her one of her earlier books, mm -hmm. there is a small town murder that does have some satanic things in it. Huh. Interesting. She's only she's only written those three books. So really, or at at Gone Girl was the third. She might have written one since then, but and they're each a murder mystery. So this was, I believe, the first or the second one. It's interesting. Okay, final thing for the habeas. You ready? This is it. It's my last yeah. chance. All right, so we've been talking about her walking the dog. After the dog is put behind the fence by neighbor Karen, her walking the dog, seen by six different people at various times. And this is what Spa really works on, is that they go through basically all of the discovery that's been delivered from the prosecution team. And the discovery is scanned into a machine, but sometimes in the scanning, pages stick together. So there mm -hmm. are these 10 separate pages that are delivered separately because the scanner didn't catch them. And one of these pages is an actual interview that the police did with the mailman. Mailman whose name is Russell Graybill. I just thought Graybill was the best. So Graybill, from when he is at Lacey's house, it is 1035 to 1055. And he has to scan in whenever he's, he's in a specific street. He scans uh -huh. his time. Uh -huh. And he said when he walked up to Lacey's house on Christmas Eve day, the gate was open and there's uh -huh. no barking. And he remembers it because Mackenzie always barks. No matter where Mackenzie is in the house, Mac he hears Mackenzie barking because every mailman knows the dog's on their route. Uh-huh. Which means that somewhere between 1035 and 1055, Lacey is out walking the dog. Wait, isn't that the time when the lady put the dog back because the dog was running wild? 1018. It couldn't be any later than 1018. It's the oh, latest her... possible time she puts the dog back. Yes. Because of her Because of the receipts. In town. So that happens from 10, somewhere between 1035 and 1055. And Scott left when? Oh, much earlier. Scott's on the computer at that time. Scott's doing his computer stuff, which he's emailing his boss Christmas cards, basically mm -hmm. saying Merry Christmas. And he's looking up how to put together this woodworking machine that he got, which is also a very odd thing to be looking up if you did just kill your wife. I do. I see their point on that. That would be a weird thing to start looking up. No, not if you know that they're going to search your computer. But it's also very, I mean, he, he did a lot of odd things. He ordered uh, stuff from the Playboy channel. He ordered a, a porn porn thing <gasps> after Lacey went missing okay that's weird yeah it's weird now 
Gray Bill brings us to the burglary across the street. Okay. That is a very important point. I don't know if you remember, but in the Dateline episode, do they say what happened or that they just discounted that the burglars had nothing to do with it? They said they discounted them. So the reason they discounted them is because the two people they arrested said, no, 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 we did that on the 26th. We burgled that house on the 26th, the people that got charged for it. Now, I thought it had happened before. I thought the burglary was like something that had already happened. No, the burglary happens on the 24th. Burglars said it happened on the 26th. But the burglary on the 24th, there's an eyewitness at 1140 a.m. Diane is driving by, sees people on the lawn and a van. And she said she remembers because she was driving by and like, what are they doing at the Medina's house? And the guys turned and looked at her. And she just kept going. She was like, that's odd. So you're saying, what are you saying? So the two, then they finally arrest two people, right? They arrest Steve Todd and Glenn Pierce. They arrest those guys. Those guys say, we didn't do that on the 24th. We have nothing to do with that pregnant lady that went missing. The cops don't ask any questions about the pregnant lady that went missing. They just believe that they did it on the 26th like the criminals said they did. They said, no, we did rob that house, but we did it on the 26th. But wouldn't these people know when their house was robbed? These people were out of town. These people are gone on Christmas. They, they okay, leave. So there was no police report they leave about at the eight, They leave at 8 a.m. the morning of the 24th. So there's nothing that happens until they get back and see the stuff is... Wait, are these two guys the wet bandits? <laughs> but do you, do you sort of understand what I'm saying? No, not really. That they're lying. They could be the killers. Well, they could be the they could be the killers. And are lying about because they they're saying the they did it on the twenty sixth. Mm-hmm. On the twenty sixth, there are news crews right, because Lacey right. is missing. There is no right. way that the house across the street is being burgled. Right. As these news crews are there, yeah. it's just not. So they happening. are either the actual killers, right, and are lying. Or are scared that they're going to be thought of as the actual killers, and so they lie. So, there's a tip. I, if you're a burglar, you're not a truth teller. So, Lieutenant Aponte, who's working at a prison, is overhearing a phone call between Sean and his brother Adam. Adam is best friends with Steve Todd, one of these burglars that did this case. Now, Adam says in this phone call with Sean, you know that that pregnant lady crossed the street... And got up in Stephen's face. That pregnant lady crossed the street and got up in their face. And Sean screams, shut up, shut up, shut up. We can't talk about that. Shut up. Lieutenant Aponte is like, "Uh uh-uh, they're talking about that lady that went missing. So Lieutenant Aponte takes a tape record of the phone call, takes it into Modesto Police. The tape goes missing. Mm. The police never follow up on the tip from Lieutenant Lieutenant Aponte. There's no record. And Lieutenant Aponte says he called and spoke to someone twice. He called twice because the first time no one got back to him. To say, you guys listened to that tape, right? Right. No one followed up on the tip. No one ever came to the prison to talk to Sean to figure out what he was talking about. That's all I got. But did they ever bring this up in the trial? No, this is new. This is new discovery since the trial has happened. Since the, the trial, Modesto the... police sat on this. Yeah. This is new. This is new investigation since the trial. Yeah, it definitely does appear that they ignored some leads. Yeah. And. Did I change your mind? 
Did no. It? Okay. But I still, I have questions. You have more questions there things, now. There were things I would like to hear a prosecution counter. I would like to hear them counter the pregnant lady's story, the Satanists and the missing women in Modesto that were pregnant and dismembered and found in the bay. And I would like to hear more about the burglars, the wet bandits. Me too. And why Macaulay Culkin wasn't there to stop. (laughs) So I have some questions. If the thing is, is this is another one of those, if he didn't do it, he is by far the unluckiest man alive. Yes, he is. It's another one of those where the man on Dateline has two wives that both fell down the stairs. Right. And you go, well, so he's just, he's Job. He's just like, God hates this person. Right, right. So he... You're going to prison for something. <laughs> like, yeah, you're done. and it could just be for being dumb. Mm-hmm. But like, Scott is cursed then. If, maybe because he was cheating on his pregnant wife. Twice. But like... Twice. Don't forget, there's a first mistress. Wait, but was the first one when she was pregnant? Not that that matters. No, but the first it one years walks before? in. Yeah, walks in and catches him in bed with Lacey. <laughs> oh, my God. And she's, Wait, so Lacey knew about Lacey the Lacey knew one? about the first one. Yeah, according to this woman. I think this woman has also written a book. See, that makes me think that and the fact that he stood her up on that Christmas party mm-hmm. makes me think Lacey wasn't dumb and she knew something was going on and she called him out on it and then he killed and her he had to and he killed her yeah because he had to make a choice and she was on to him because then it makes more sense than i didn't want to have a baby but i'm going to date this woman with a baby what does that she called him out on an affair with amber and he right. snapped and killed her uh-huh makes a lot more sense than i killed Lacey because i didn't want this life and i didn't want this baby because right. he's dating somebody else that has an 18-month-old. Right. Which is, should have been the defense's whole case. Why would he? But uh, we've seen it how many times? Yeah, I a know. A man picks a mistress. Uh, he go. He thinks he's going to have a no-strings affair. Right. No strings attached. He picks a lady with five kids. Right. Who lives on the other side of the country. And, oh, yeah, she needs monetary support every month right exactly. now you have 27 new strings attached to you yeah so we've seen that multiple times but i do think if she called him on it that and he snapped i've seen that many times on dateline and it just happens really fast it was a fight that happened really fast mm. then a planned thing on christmas eve because okay. he was going to I don't think it was Amber. planned, but then also then the death penalty needs to be off the table because the death penalty is only for premeditation. Right? Yeah. I think I'm I think I'm right on that. I could be wrong. I don't know. He had told Amber he lost his wife, which does hint of premeditation. Yeah. Because he felt like he knew he was going to lose her, so he just told her that early. And that was the day he bought the boat. He bought the boat the day he told Amber he had lost his wife. That's right. Oh, okay. Sorry. I found the book that has all the stuff about the mistress named Janet. Damn it, Janet. Um, it's oh, called why is she Janet? A Deadly Game, The Untold Story of, of the Scott Peterson Investigation by Catherine Cryer. And it's all ab- and it's got this huge excerpt you can read online on NBC News about Janet bursting bursting in on him and Lacey 
and she says, I can't believe you cheated on me. And, With your wife. And, or Lacey said that. Yeah. And uh, and the roommate says, he's not cheating on you with her. He's cheating on her with you. He's married. Wait, what roommate? Sorry. Apparently, like, she was screaming at them in bed. Oh, and th- yeah. And maybe Scott and Lacey were living with someone else at the time. And the roommate, like, came in and, like, got her out of there. And was like, you're not, you're not the, he's not cheating on you, like, he's cheating on her with you. That's his wife. Scott's a bad dude. No, I definitely think he's a sociopath. Yeah. He showed zero emotions. Zero. Although somebody did message message us on Facebook and say that there was some interview where he's crying and he's not wiping it at all and it's just dribbling down his chin. <laughs> and so I he really... bought those like drops that actors exactly. use. Exactly, I know. Or something. His eyes aren't red at all, they're just tears. <laughs> or he chopped an <laughs> onion like right before. What a... Uh, yeah. So, because he definitely wasn't crying in any of the interviews here. He seemed very unemotional. No. But tell us what you think about Scott Peterson. We're curious. How do you feel? Well, I know Cindy Boxer was just like me and then watched the special mm-hmm. and felt very confused. Yes. She was. She had a lot of inner turmoil. It's that a... she was starting to question things and she, she was scared. It's she didn't know she didn't she didn't she had always thought the sky was blue and then now she thinks could the sky be purple and then she's like hmm maybe i'm colorblind but i mean i like to i like to keep an open mind good i like to that's so not true i like to keep an you open you like mind. to have fast judgments i like not to keep an open <laughs> mind and i like to always be swayed if the argument is persuasive enough and i ears open to both sides of an argument okay i was willing to switch on oj if they proved to me that the sun did it which i'm watching that special right now oh yeah you gotta watch that one yeah oj was still involved and probably there that night yes which helps explain some of the evidence but it's it's difficult i do have some questions were the you way... surprised yes but the way um, Richard Cole presented them made me a prejudgment to dismiss any sort of counterfacts. And he looks so, much nicer in this one, by the way. His hair is nice. It's like a little bit longer. It's sort of like a shag, a San Francisco shag. No, it makes sense. And he's wearing a nice tie and a nice shirt. He looks very nice. Mm-hmm. Much better. I've so I still have questions. I'm all for freeing wrongfully accused people. I follow. I love those datelines. He is not someone you want to root for. No. Regardless. He's not. But that's what they said the whole time. And he would be the most unlucky man alive. Can you convict someone for just being a jerk? Right. The most hated um, man in America. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have questions. I would like to hear more. I'm open. I'm open to hearing more. It, I will say. It looks like there's a lot of books out there. I do not it. plan on reading any of them. Okay. I do plan on looking up some pictures of Rochelle. I might watch that last episode. Just maybe. watch that verdict. Just watch the second to last episode. It'll give you all the information you need. And you'll get to see all her interviews. And you'll get to hear all the weird stuff the jury did when they got out. And they almost all got disqualified because they were going to bars and talking about how they were going to give him death. Because there was like a month between the sentencing and the end of the trial. Mm-hmm. And they're not supposed to talk about it. Mm-hmm. But they're... I mean, 
Yeah, it definitely seems like the sh- the police work that the leads that were ignored. Yeah, you know, were maybe cause for a mistrial, mm-hmm. but I th- have to think that they would hold him in jail and retry him again, and hopefully get some more answers. They just need and some perhaps more. Perhaps able to discount the dog walkers, able to discount the Satanists, able to discount this stuff. And then, because if, if that stuff is brought in, then they can have their investigators discount it, you know? Or get some or the physical evidence. Thing. Something. Right. They got to have, they have no evidence at all. No forensic evidence. No, it's all circumstantial. So I'm. But it's a lot of circumstantial. It is. I will give you that. It is definitely a lot. Um, also, Crime Writers On has an episode about this that I would highly recommend everyone listen to about the age. What did they think of Rochelle? I don't remember them talking about Strawberry Shortcake, but I do remember, but they did recommend the documentary. They re- they recommended this series at the end of it. They said, they said yes, but it is very funny and everyone needs to listen to that episode because it's good. It's really funny. So. What do you have in okay. the news? Wow, that was, that was a great segue. Uh, <laughs> it's very subtle. So we have... Two amazing people to thank for donations this week. Thank you. Which is so exciting when that happens. Um, we have Callie, who lives in France, made a donation. Thank you, Callie. Bonjour. Bonjour. How do you say thank you in France? Merci beaucoup. Merci beaucoup. Merci, merci. Uh, <laughs> où est la toilette? Je m'appelle All right, no, Kimberly. we're done. We're done. That's all I know. And it's from 90210 when Donna and Brenda went to Paris. Okay. <laughs> and Jen Wells from Virginia uh, wants to know more about my time in Virginia. So we might discuss that another time. Oh, good. And she gave me a donation as well. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much, Jen. Thank you, Jen. You guys, I'm so excited. I have no idea what we're going to buy. Maybe that dog who failed the Trimble. test. Maybe it's up for adoption. Let's get Trimble. And we could buy him. Yep. Because he's not cut out, maybe, for the hard and fast life of the police force. No, we're going to change his name, too. No more Trimble. And then we also want to say congratulations to Megan Colucci, who won bingo. Congratulations. Our second winner. We're so excited. She did have a question on one of the B-rolls. Someone was making tea, not drinking it. And I think that 100% counts. Yes. Anything with pouring making you can be steeping the tea yeah you can be brewing the coffee or holding the cup you don't even have to take a sip no that's and fine you're looking out the window it's fine very it often counts. they don't take sips i would say more times than not there is no sipping yeah 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 so thank you so much and we're going to try to get some more content to you to get us through this olympics time together we could do it we're gonna make it yay don't watch alone watch with some scott peterson deniers <laughs> they're like birthers deniers. or deniers yeah. they're 9-11 deniers what do we call them truthers watch with <laughs> yes watch with the watch with spa. peter soners watching the spa oh my god the spaers bye everybody bye everybody